it has been something on my heart to meet Mr. Greeno and to talk to him about just business and about life and hear from him about how he got started, how he stepped into what he's doing today. And so I'm going to ask all of us to stand up on our feet this morning on us in prayer, and then we're going to thank Mr. Greeno for coming today. Lord, I pray for your presence today, God, your power. Lord, I pray for your strength today. God, early in the morning, we seek you, and we ask you, God, just to lead us today in our conversations, God, in our meetings. Lord, in in our decision-making and everything we do, I pray, God, that we would hear from you and follow you. And Lord, I pray that you would use this special hour of power, God, to just chart and remind us of the purpose we have. And God, that anything is possible. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you welcome to the stage Mr. Arthur Greeno. So, uh, so as, as all of you guys know, and, and I know that when I get up here and, and speak, I'm just sharing a lot of what you guys already know. It's just my job to help remind you and, and put a different spin on it. So um, it's all about building systems. And so um, I got asked years ago to start speaking on customer service and other things. And what I was learning was when I would go speak, the person introducing me may have never known, they've ne never met me, they've never read my bio. I literally went to go speak some at one place and they said, uh, Arthur Greeno is here to speak about time management. Oh, and they said, um, and he's from Chickaville. And so I knew <laughs> that they didn't know what they were talking about. So I was like, okay. So when I got back, I said, guys, I need a system in place so that it's simple, it's turnkey, that we can make sure that when we're introducing me that we kind of you know, get my personality and stuff in it. So we gave it to these guys and they interviewed all my friends and, and my coworkers and, and, went, and they put this video together and I was so excited to have the video and then I played it, I was like, really? Of all the crazy stuff I've done, the first thing they talk about is the fact that I've had two vasectomies um, and I was like, well, okay, so they're not wrong. Um, um, so um, we said, let's roll. And it adds a little bit of quirkiness to uh, my video. And uh, so um, I did have two vasectomies and have six kids. So it's, wow. um, it's, it's, it's amazing. Six kids. What are the ages? Uh, the, what, today? Yeah. Okay, so today I think it's 22 is my oldest and 14 is my youngest as wow. of Monday. So, but it changes. When you have six kids, you know, everything changes. I forget all their ages, and everyone thinks I don't know my kids. So, <laughs> That is awesome. Well, it's an honor to have you here. And, you know, everyone here is hungry to grow in their business, in their life, uh, with their gifts, their skills, their talents, what's in their heart. So tell us a little bit about just your story, how you stepped into what you're doing today. And I know you're going to share more of that later. But if you could give like a two-minute summary of how it began like was it in your teenage years that you started doing some of what you're doing now was it after college and uh, just a summarized version of how you stepped into it sure when 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 I get asked questions like this what uh, what goes through my mind is um, uh, it's not about the chicken chick-fil-a is just a tool um, when I was younger when I was in high school uh, I struggle with a lot of different things. My family life was a struggle. Um, I have scoliosis, and so I wore a back brace, which, you know, which, as, as you guys can imagine, I got lots of dates from it. They looked and said, oh, look at that, you know, here's a back brace on, you know. No, it, it was one of those that I stood out from the crowd. Yeah. Learn for me is um, if I'm doing things to stand out, that's how, that's what works for Arthur is that I'm standing out from the crowd, I'm doing things that, um, even, even as a young Christian, um, some of it was I was just naive, and I would just do obnoxious things, not knowing any better, uh, and so, but, 
but now I do so many quirky things that people think, oh, that's just Arthur. That's just how he does things. And so that's really, uh, even with Chick-fil-A, when I got involved with Chick-fil-A, uh, when I first evolved, I was very strategic. I was very methodical. I, I checked the boxes. I made sure things were in line. And, and I got everything stable. But then once it got stable, God kind of worked on me and said, but Arthur, that's not you. That's not your personality. That's not what I created you for. And so my purpose, my mission is to um, teach, inspire, and serve. And everything I do falls under those three things. And I think that if you don't have a, a purpose statement, a mission statement, it, it, it really does help you have a direction on where you're going and how you influence. And so for me, you know, one of the phrases I love is everyone wants to follow someone on fire. Sometimes it's to, it's to be inspired, and sometimes it's just to stand there and watch them burn. You know, maybe videotape it a little bit. Um, and so um, I don't mind being that guy on fire. Um, uh, it may look different ways for different things, and sometimes I mess it up. But, you know, when it's all said and done, um, you know, I can, when, when I'm dead, I can stand there and say, you know what, I did everything I can, and, and, and I left nothing on the table. That's awesome. So before you started Chick-fil-A, what were you doing? So I was working at McDonald's. Um, don't tell anyone. Um, um, of course, it's a podcast now, so everyone knows. Perfect. Um, so I got to watch what I'm saying. So just be careful since it's going to be out there. Uh, so before I um, before I worked for Chick Fil A, I worked at McDonald's. I was 16 years old. I just needed a job, and that's where I started working. And uh, I got I got a phone call from my youth pastor, and he said, Arthur, I know you're looking for another job. There's a Chick-fil-A being built at um, in Woodland Hills Mall, and um, and I had had Chick-fil-A once. I had a sandwich card that I got from Donating Blood, and I remember when I was eating, I was like, man, this sandwich is amazing. Little did I know that I was kind of going, this is what my future is going to be, you know. Um, but I was like, this is awesome. And uh, and so when he called me and said they're hiring and they're a Christian company, I was like, oh, I'm in. And I called them while I was on break at McDonald's and asked them for a job. And they said, well, you're still going to have to come fill out an application. When can you get here? And as soon as I got done, I ran over to Woodland Hills Mall, and I filled out the application um, to get hired and start on the day after Thanksgiving, the day it opened in 1988. Wow. So how long did you work as an employee for Chick-fil-A before you started the first franchise? So, uh, so for me, I started in 1988 uh, just as a cashier and worked where well, I went to Oral Roberts University at the same time. And while I was um, working, that's um, kind of when I fell in love with Chick-fil-A, my first franchise kind of assignment was in 1992. Okay. So, and that was in Tulsa? That was in Tulsa. So, um, so what happened was after um, I had worked there for a while, I, um, I applied to be an operator, and they said, we have an opportunity for you. That's Eastland Mall. So the question is, anyone remember who Eastland Mall? Okay. Okay. It was pathetic. Okay. <laughs> Um, I mean, I'll just tell you right, it was so bad, uh, and, uh, and that store was like second from worst in the chain, and, and if I worked really, 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 really hard, I might get to like, um, you know, maybe third from worst in the chain, and so I realized real quick this was going nowhere, but the reality was I was a 22-year-old out of college, and they needed leadership at that store. And, and I remember at the time, because I wanted Woodland Hills Mall, and I remember being frustrated going, they're not giving me what I deserve. I ran the, I've run this store for four years. I should, I should have this store. You know, my pride was really in there going, I own this. I, I should have this. But yet, sometimes uh, our job as leaders is to take, um, take our people where they need to go, even though they don't know it. 
Okay, sometimes they don't know where, the, where they need to go. And so Chick-fil-A, in their, in their wisdom, uh, they said, you know what, we have an opportunity for you. It's at Eastland Mall. And, um, and they didn't budge from that. They said, here's what you have. And so I remember going into it going, you know what, I'm going to go into this and I'm going to prove myself and show them what I can do. And, um, and so that was, so I had to kind of change my mentality. Instead of being offended that they wouldn't give me that store, I had to look at it from the standpoint of what can I do with what I have? Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. That's awesome. So you, you talked about leadership a little bit. So share just your thoughts, your philosophy on leadership from how you lead and from growing up watching other people lead. What does that look like to you? What does a true leader look like to you? So I was actually thinking about this early this morning as I was shining my shoes. Um, and, and it was funny because I was shining my shoes. I know you can't tell. These, these are actually Chick-fil-A work shoes, okay? So um, when I get done here, I will, be, I will be killing chickens, okay? I got to go over there and kill some chickens for the day. So, um, so but, but I, I, was, I was shining them, and I was, I was remembering, I remember when Chick-fil-A, that um, we're at a seminar, and there was at the time probably three or 4,000 people there, maybe five, I don't know. And Dan Cathy got up front, and he was talking about servant leadership. And they literally got down, all the business consultants and everyone, and they took our shoes off, and they took our socks off, and they rolled, our, um, they rolled up our, um, our, la- our pants, pants, and they washed our feet. Every one of us. 3,000 people, lots of buckets of smeller by the time it was done, I'm sure. Um, but it was really about, we were talking about servant leadership and the servant leadership that Christ um, exemplified. And so for me, servant leadership is serving my team. And so for me, it's, it's, uh, if we're not serving our team, then they're not, they, can't, they can't jump on our brand and show people what our brand can look like if we're not helping them in the, in the back of the house. Whatever happens in the back of the house is what happens in the house. And I think a lot of companies don't get that because it's like being a parent and, and, um, and not treating your family right, and then when you go to church on Sundays, you're wondering why they're not behaving right. Now, granted, I have six kids, so sometimes it just doesn't matter. They're just going to behave the way they behave, you know, and you can beat them when you get home. But um, 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 just don't do it all the time, I guess. Um, but, but I think that's one of the biggest things is I'm constantly looking for opportunities to serve my team. And, and a, here's, a, here's a, a very example. So I had, and this is kind of funny because, you know, Easter was last weekend. So, so an organization was out there, and they were uh, delivering Easter eggs around town. So I said, what if I paid you to deliver to all of my team leaders and all of my management and go Easter uh, and go egg their house, basically, okay? Uh, and so they went to all these houses, and they put Easter eggs at their houses. Well, my job is to create systems to make sure that my team feels loved. And think about it. They walk out the floor. They have Easter eggs all over. They know that Arthur did it. They feel loved, right? Makes sense. Well, uh, just, just for this, I mean, you got 25 people. It's going many different directions. And then the, uh, so, so one of them, uh, I was reaching out to their mom because we, we have a good relationship. I said, you know, did they like the eggs? And she said, what eggs? I was like, oh, no. Well, here's what happened. So they moved a number of months ago, and, and, so, and they didn't update their file. So, um, so I said, did you move? And she said, yes, we did. And she said, I'll have the kids go over and get it. Well, then through a course of text messages, here's basically what happened. So the kids go over. They're, they're twins. They work for me. Great kids or team leaders. Um, they go to get the eggs. Well, they didn't knock on the door and let the person know that they were picking up the eggs. So they're just running all over their yard picking up all these eggs. And... Um, 
and, and the wife doesn't know what's going on. She sees these guys out running through her garden, you know, um, um, you know, and so she's freaking out, and she doesn't speak English, so she's yelling at them, but she's saying they're just kind of waving and smiling, and, um, and so uh, their mom um, gets this message from the owner going, okay, this is really uncool, you know, because she messaged them, I'm sorry that my boys came by. Well, then they, we kind of all found out that the boys didn't communicate with them, which is another lesson in leadership right there, so she made them go back and apologize um, um, to them in person about that. But it's creating events like that. Those kids will never forget what happened there to their life for a number of things. One, my boss loved me um, enough to go do this. The other is um, communication. They'll never forget that communication piece ever. And so for us as leaders, our job is to create opportunities for them to grow. And I think in that, I mean, that wasn't intention, um, but yet that's what came out of it. That's awesome. What would you tell yourself today that you know now that you didn't know when you were 21? What would be your advice to 21-year-old Arthur? To be patient. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm still not patient. Just so, um, I, you know, I don't do patient. Um, and so, um, but it is one of those, that's one of the things for me that's really, um, uh, really hard. Uh, I, heard, I heard a pastor one time talking about um, his, his kids. Have you ever planted like a lima bean in, in a cup um, with, with soil on it? Um, and, and you're waiting for it to grow. Well, um, he had two kids, and one of them had um, had a cup, and, and the lima bean started growing, and, and the plant growing, but the other one, it wasn't growing. And they're getting very frustrated. He's going, what's going on? Well, then one day he walks into his living room and, and sees his son messing with it, and what, what he was doing was every day he would dig up that, that bean. He would dig the bean up and take a look at it and go, why is it growing? He'd stick it back in there and cover it back up. And so that's me right there. You know, I'm kind of going, why is it growing? So I just need to kind of sit back and and know what I did was right, continue to water it, make sure it's in fertile soil, and sit back and let God do his work. Really good. I do have a question on that because I also deal with patience. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like there is a level of urgency that pushes past maybe a certain type of patience that leads to some of the results that you are thankful for today? Or would you say most of the great results you see today came from a very patient, like there's a combat of, Oh yeah, absolutely. because uh, I look at some situations and I'm like, that person was an activator to the, to the top level, just urgent. They weren't waiting. But at the same time, I hear what you're saying because I'm like, patience does pay off if you are working hard and you're waiting to see things grow. So talk a little bit about that. Sure in your own life? Well, the maturity part is knowing what the balance is because that's where the hard part is because sometimes you have to be urgent. The door opens and you have to spring on it and take it. But then other times you have to have the wisdom enough to go, you know what, this is something I'm going to have to wait on. And so um, uh, for me, uh, what my, so my wife is an analyzer personality. So, you know, of course, when you marry, you marry your opposites, right? So she will overanalyze pretty much everything. Okay. And, and, and I'm not, I'm like, all right, let's go, let's go do this. And so, um, so we struggle in that box on a regular basis. And, um, but one of the things that I tell her is progress trumps perfection all the time. And so I think, um, I, I think there's a difference between being patient and being, you know, resistant or hesitant and sometimes overanalyzing it because that's where I think a lot of people miss the opportunities. They want to make sure that everything's right. And so I've literally heard God, people say, I'm waiting for God to open the door. And I'm kind of going, 
the, the door's right there and it's open. What are you waiting for? You know, and, and, and sometimes I kind of have this battle with them and I'm like, so really what you're asking is, I'm waiting for God to open the door and I'm waiting for God to do the work for me. And I'm waiting for God to carry me through the door and, and assure me that I'm in the right place yes. before I'll even take that step. But that's not how God works. Right. God's going to open the door and he wants us to walk through that door. And, and sometimes the learning points is in the walk through that door. Yes. It's not necessarily that I've arrived and I'm there and, and God took care of everything because that, if that's what happened and God just hands it to us and says, do it, and then a problem happens, you don't know how to solve the problem. Yeah. So like for me, I mean, and I was joking about my shoes earlier, but when I'm in the restaurant and something's wrong with a fryer, I can walk by a fryer and go, there's your problem right there. Why? Because I've been 30 years in the industry. I know how these fryers work on a regular basis. So, so I can kind of troubleshoot that and we can move on and I can focus in on other things um, rather than, uh, than some, if somebody's always just in there fixing all the time. I never have a clue what's happening with that fryer. And so um, I can never help solve the problem. It's really good. I think a lot of people struggle with that balance of patience and urgency. And I do think what you're saying is so true that you got to walk through the door to find out, um, you know, because it's the whole thing of God doesn't use a parked car. He, he works with cars that are moving, that are already walking in right. the obedience of what's been spelled out for them in the scriptures. I, 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 and, and I haven't mastered it by any means. I mean, I bought a Batmobile recently. A Batmobile? A Batmobile. Come so, on. Um, so it's a 1989 um, replica of a Michael Keaton's Batmobile. And everyone needs one, right? So I, I trade. Um, so basically, I'm selling my 69 um, my Shelby. My wife agreed to it so that I could put a Batmobile in the garage. Okay? So, so, here's, so I'm not the mechanic guy. I sell chicken, right? So, um, so I got the Batmobile shell being made, and now I've got to figure out all the inner workings. So apparently I have to, I have to get an, um, a caprice body and, and strip it all down, and they're using all these terms that I don't know. And literally, I'm on the phone writing this stuff down going, yeah, I don't know. I still don't know what you're talking about. And so I have a Batmobile being made, and I don't know how to build it. Um, and so, so in that scenario, I jumped into it. But I also know that for me, if I would have waited the whole process, first of all, I can't afford it because they're like $140,000. And so it's a lot cheaper to buy you know, different components and do the work on yourself. So, um, um, but I know I'll finish it. That's the other thing is a lot of times people jump into projects and not finish it. But, so I'll finish it. But the thing is that in that situation, I had to kind of um, get through that doorway. Okay, now I'm through the doorway. Now I need to figure out how to make everything else happen. And um, so I have not mastered that whole scenario at all. Um, so, but I do finish the projects and that's one of the problems with people with my personality is they get in there they start getting stuff done and then they walk away and they leave it and there's a Batmobile sitting in your garage for, um, for two years and your wife is frustrated because she can't park her car in there. Uh, and so, but, but I will make sure it gets done and I'll drive it, you know, I'll drive it around here. You'll see me driving it. Come on. And I am going to drive it to work. Absolutely. I'm going to be looking for that Batmobile vehicle. Talk I'll deliver little. chicken in it. Come on. Somehow. Somehow we would like for you to drive here and there bring some chicken. Absolutely. And let me get inside and check it out. We, we could do that. Come on. Talk a little bit about your two books here, just how they came out and, you know, what caused you to write these two different books. Well, you know, and, uh, and some of the stuff I'm going to talk about um, when we talk about uh, is uh, networking and connect. Um, but it's... 
I, I wrote this book called Dysfunctional Inspiration, and, and I, I wrote this book for my team. You're going to find that a lot of what I do is, what can I do for others? And what are the tools that I need for that? So I wrote Dysfunctional Inspiration for my team because I wanted them to know that I grew up at 51st and Mingo, right down the street for them, that I went to Union High School, that, um, that I am just like them. And they can be where I'm at. Hopefully, they can be a lot further than I'm at. Um, but they can see those that I had to go through. Even when I got hired with Chick-fil-A, people were like, oh, you got hired in with this company, and, and as soon as you got hired in with this company, you had it set. Because a lot of people are like, oh, if you open a Chick-fil-A anywhere, it's going to do well. Well, you weren't at Eastland Mall, okay? <laughs> there was a day when we were at Eastland Mall that we had to do $400 to have a sales increase. $400. If we don't do $400 at my store currently in an hour, it's, it's not even worth being open during that hour. Um, because the volumes changed so much time. Um, but um, I didn't make a profit check for four years. I was, I was making, uh, I think, $26,000 for four, as a base salary for four years, working 100-something hours a week um, at those stores in order to make things work. And a lot of people don't get that. They're like, you open your doors, and magically all these people start coming in. It's not how it works. And I wanted my team to understand that. I wanted my team to know where I came from. Even when I got involved with Chick-fil-A, it was still hard. Um, there were still processes that I had to work through to get to today. Um, and, and I wanted to inspire them. And so really, I wrote this for my team. And, uh, and so then I have another book called Breaking Conformity. And this book is more of an, an entry-level leadership book. This was basically a friend of mine named Brian Smith. Uh, him and I got together. And we were hearing a lot of people talking about uh, they were talking about all these myths, and, and they were saying, like, like fake it till you make it. Uh, you know, people use that phrase all the time. you got to fake it till you make it. Well, you don't. You need to know what you're doing, otherwise you're going to be in trouble. Um, you can jump, I mean, and it happens all the time. Or um, failure is not an option. You know, you hear people say that, and it's great, but failure is an option. Um, it's a really horrible option, but it's the easiest option, isn't it? And how many times we jump into something, we go, you know what, I'm bailing, I'm jumping ship. Um, and so we'll, we'll kind of talk about these myths in there. And so this is kind of an entry-level leadership book um, that I encourage for people that over the years we've learned and we've, um, we coach our team on these different kinds of um, concepts. And so I wrote these books really to help serve others, to answer the questions that people are trying to get from, um, from me. Um, we do sell them, but the reality is I don't care. Um, I, you know, I've said it multiple times, but um, I make a living with Chick-fil-A. So when I'm doing stuff like this, it's more about how can I sow into others. In fact, I have some here for you guys. And so um, it's basically, if you're interested and you like to read, come get one of these books um, at the end. I mean, I only brought a few of these, so just grab, grab it. But again, this goes back into how can I serve others. I'm, I'm working on a customer service book right now I'm because a lot of people ask about customer service and culture and what's the magic fairy dust at Chick-fil-A, and, and I will be happy to share it all. You know, there is none, but I'll be happy to share everything I know um, uh, about that. Your, your Chick-fil-A locations are the one in Tulsa Hills and the one over here, right, at Star World in front of that area? So actually, um, I'm close, but I'm at 71st and Garnett uh, and Woodland okay, Hills Mall. Yeah, 71st and Garnett. I'm at the good ones. So, um, hey, you're amazing, Arthur. Thank you for coming. One last question, and then I'll let you just take it from here. Um, how important is your relationship with God in connection to your success as a father, as a husband, as a businessman, an entrepreneur? Um, because that's something that I, I feel as a pastor responsible for with all of our business people is highlighting their relationship with God in connection to seeing the success that they would have. Your relationship with God as you grow as a leader is incredibly important. Um, 
and it's going to look different for every every person. I can't. I can. You know, if we went around the room and asked people what your relationship with God looks like, it's going to look different. And there's a tremendous amount of success stories here. So, so it, the the thing is, people get hung up on it. It has to look a certain way. My relationship with God works for my relationship with God. God knows my heart. He knows how how he, he knows that Arthur loves to do creative things. He knows that Arthur loves to build a Batmobile or a five foot Lego guy, which I'm working on right now. I mean, whatever it is, whatever projects Arthur's working on, he knows what inspires me. And those are the times when him and I have um, have conversations. And I and I also feel that um, I really do feel like God tells us to push the envelope for a couple of reasons. One is when we push the envelope. Most of the time, what we do is we push the envelope so hard that we have to around and seek God and say, God, I need your help. I stepped in it this time. Um, I, I, I went way out there. I don't know what I'm doing. I need your direction. Well, that's when we're closest to God, right? And so, so I think that, especially as business leaders, if we're just sitting back and going, okay, I'm comfortable, I'm comfortable in my job, then we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. Um, now, again, that's my, my perspective and how my relationship is with God. Others may be going, hey, you know what? I'm sitting back. That's not in my wheelhouse. I'm no shit. And this is where I thrive with God. But I know for me, um, it's one of those that the harder I push out there, the more I, re- I rely on God, the more I'm kind of going, God, I'm about to sink here. And, and, and I think God knows that that's when I'm reaching out to him more than other times. Yeah, it's awesome. Well, we're going to let you share and talk. Thank you so much. And I'll let you take it from here. All right. Cool. Well, it's, um, it's my pleasure to be here and speak to you guys. And so um, what I wanted to talk today a little bit about is, um, is leadership as well as um, networking. And, so, and the reason I want to say that is, um, let me just ask this. If I asked you guys, I like the pace when I talk. It drives people crazy. If I asked you guys, how many of you guys can name the, uh, any of the other owners from the, the other Chick-fil-A's here? Raise your hands so I can see. Okay, there's a couple of you guys. Okay, so um, so the thing is, traditionally, when you look at Chick Fil A, it's very um, cut and dry. Um, you know, we open our restaurants, we market it constantly, and uh, and people come in. Okay, um, serve a good product, um, have have great team members, and people come in. But that's not what God put on my heart. God God gave me the ability to connect with people, and and when I was younger and I was growing up, I didn't get that. And so, because I think that if you if you went around town uh, and said um, and talked to people about you know the Chick Fil A guy, most likely they're probably going to say, oh Arthur Greeno. In fact, some of the owner, other owners have said uh, they said it drives me nuts because people come up and go, um, uh, hey I met your owner, and they're like and they're like I am the owner, and they're like no Arthur Greeno, and they're like he doesn't own the store, <laughs> you know, um, and so. Uh, so when they go to Tulsa Hills to pick up their chicken from this morning, I'm just kidding. Um, but um, uh, that's, um, that's, and so that's just something that God's put on my heart. And so I want to kind of share with you guys some of the things for me because I don't need to network. I mean, you know, the thing is that for me in my business, some of you guys may go, you know what, I need to network. And other ones may be like, you know what, I don't need to network. But the truth is we all need to network. If we're going to be in positions of authority, um, if we're going to be in positions of leadership, we have to have those connections. And so for me, when I'm out there in the community doing things, I love it when somebody calls me and says, I need a connection for this. And I'm able to reach out to someone. Like the other day, someone said, I need, a, um, I need an ice maker. And, and, I, and I reached out to mine that, was, um, that ha- has a business that does that kind of stuff. And he said to me, uh, he said, Don't, um, aren't you working with um, Tulsa Pop Kids? I was like, yes, um, I, I helped create that, um, that foundation. 
And uh, he said, you know, you do so much in the community. You know, let me just take care of that ice maker for you. What a blessing. I didn't even have to go in there and ask for it. Why is that? Because I'm out there serving on a regular basis. And, f and for me, that's, um, that's what networking really looks like for me. How am I serving others? So, uh, so one of the things I'm going to kind of tease, um, tease some people about is, um, especially when you guys are coming to um, uh, meetings like this, wear your name tag. Not the paper one, okay? Wear your name tag, okay? As silly as that sounds. I was actually spending some time with Dan Cathy. Um, Dan Cathy is the CEO of Chick-fil-A. And Dan wears his name tag everywhere, okay? And this is a guy that's, that's pretty recognizable, but he wears his name tag everywhere. And his actually says Dan Cathy, and it says um, like customer service training or something like that in it. Um, but he wears his name tag everywhere. And, and him and I were uh, meeting one day, and we're just kind of having a conversation about that. Um, but even and in, in Atlanta, Georgia, that's where Chick-fil-A is based out of, he is, um, I mean, a lot of people know him because he's been there forever. You know, people know Chick-fil-A, but he wears his name tag. I'm going to encourage you guys as you guys are out there, if you have a name tag, wear it. And I was speaking to an organization one time while I was talking about this and said, are you wearing your name tag? I mean, I walk into places all the time and people say, um, um, they'll walk up and say, hey, Arthur, I heard you speak here or I saw this. Or they'll come up and say, you know what? Um, I was in your restaurant and this happened. And sometimes it's not great. Um, uh, sometimes it's like, hey, I was in your restaurant, they screwed up my order. I'm like, I'm so sorry, let me take care of that. Um, but a lot of times they're like, you know what? I came through your restaurant, and I, I came through your restaurant, and I got up to the drive through window, and I didn't have any money. And he said, you know what they did? And I'm thinking to myself, I know what they better have done, okay? Because we build these processes, we build these systems. We talked earlier about, like the video, um, is that um, our job is to create systems um, that are repeatable. I train my team members on if somebody comes through our drive-thru and they don't have their money, then we're just going to give it to them. And they're going to make personal. They're going to say, you know what, it happens to all of us. You know, and I tell them, you know, don't tell them it's on Arthur, which it technically is. Um, but they say, it's on me today. Well, do you, th you think we made an emotional connection with that, um, with that guest? Absolutely. Do you think that customer is going to go and, and tell all his friends about it and post it on Facebook? Absolutely. Okay. That's one of the reasons that we do that. But, but it's a system that we put in place that we make sure our people do. We train them on how to do it. And it's a system. But people are going, your people are so nice. And I'm, I pay them to be nice, okay? <laughs> and if they're not nice, then I promote them to customer status. <laughs> okay? So, um, so what that means is if they're not nice, we will fire them. And I, and I was interviewing a manager. Our, our sales are growing at my stores. And, and I was interviewing a manager literally yesterday. And he said, why are you hiring a manager? I said, really? Because we're just we're growing so fast that we really need, an, um, I need, I need some additional help. And, uh, and we were talking about, um, you know, uh, he was asking what our turnover rate was. And I said, you know, really, I don't track my turnover rate um, necessarily because, um, because I'm not focused on that. I'm focused on having the best employees that I can. And if I'm worried about, oh, I don't want to get rid of them because, um, because then my turnover rate will be affected, no. If they suck, I'm getting rid of them. Oop, am I allowed to say that? Okay. Um, so if they, if they stink, I'm going to get rid of them. And that may be two days after start. It may be two weeks after they start. It may be you know, five months. But if they're not doing a good job, let's get them out of there so we can get them on, on to another job. Because the truth is, if, they're, if, if I'm not happy with them, they're probably, not they're probably not at my job going, I love my job, and the boss is going, you stink. That's not what's happening. If, if, if I'm not liking them as how they're doing their job, they're probably not having a good time either. 
So let's get them on to the job that they can go to and work at that they don't have to smile at and they don't have to sign pleasure at and they don't have to um, engage with the guests. There's plenty of them out there, I assure you. Okay, you're probably already thinking of three or four of them right now. Okay, hopefully not a Chick-fil-A. Um, but for me, um, uh, when, it, when it comes to networking, it's um, uh, as we're getting out there, as we're engaging with people, the question is, how are we doing it differently? I use the phrase remarkable on a regular basis. And what I mean by that is, I like to live my way that people are talking about. So if you follow me on social media or whatever, you're probably looking going, oh yeah, we remark about you. Um, and, and, it, and it usually sounds something like, um, this guy's insane, um, I can't believe he did that, he's gonna get um, in trouble, um, things, you know, things of that nature. So, so every year I have a, a friend, um, I have a connection that I'm not allowed to mention their names um, to keep everyone safe. So they bring alligators in and we, and we, electric, uh, we, uh, we tape the mouth shut alligators and we throw them in the pool and we get to swim with them. Okay, which is just awesome, right? Think about it. You get to jump in my pool um, and swim with the alligators. They're not blow up alligators, they're real alligators. Of course, their mouth is taped shut. Um, and so they're safe and, and they're fun and it's engaging. Well, we learned we can't do Facebook Lives with that because I got all the haters out there um, and they're all, they're all like, I'm, you know, I'm telling, I'm kind of going, go ahead and tell. Who are you going to tell? Who, who exactly are you going to call that says there's a guy with alligators in his pool? Um, uh, but uh, I have to be careful about that. So, and, and, and I have gotten calls like that. I'm, I'm also the guy with a lemur. Um, I have a lemur at home. Um, his name's Zabu. Uh, and so uh, I'm, the, I'm the crazy guy with lemur. So, if, so when it comes to uh, me on social media, if you follow me, you're going to find that I'm going to do things that people will remark about. But isn't that our job? As business leaders in the community, our job is to stand out. God expects us to stand out. And, and, and standing out doesn't have to be that, you, you know, that you're walking down the street with a lemur. Standing out could be that you're delivering excellent customer service, that, that you're going above and beyond in your business to connect with people. The other question is, how are you connecting with people? There's a book out there that I read, uh, the guy who founded uh, Rainforest Cafe, and he tells a story that I love the story. I was telling to my son the other day, and uh, he was talking about how he, it was, it was back in the day and he was trying to um, he was trying to get a job and so but n nobody was hiring he was trying to get it was like a, a media mogul kind of guy and so he dresses in a superman outfit which i own two of those um, and so he dressed in a superman outfit he put himself in a crate uh, and um, he was going to ship himself to this guy's office and this was at a time when people would show up with these giant crates and they would say, hey, you can't, you know, you can't open this until, um, until the person um, you deliver it to signs it. And so, uh, so his, uh, his neighbor was all nervous about it, so she gave him a sandwich and said, hey, while you're, you know, because you know, it could be hours that you're in this box, here's a sandwich for you. So he gets his sandwich, his friend crates him up, um, and then um, you know, puts on the outfits and, and wheels him to this, this company. So he goes to this company that's in the sky rise, goes all the way up to the top, um, uh, went to drop it off, and the lady said, well, you know, I'll just sign for it. And he said, no, so-and-so um, had for it. He's the only one that can sign for it. And she said, well, he's in a meeting. And he said, well, he's going to have to come out. Well, the meeting was in another building, okay? So she, she reached out to him and said, your package arrived. And, and he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, and, and she said, well, you know, the, the guy won't drop it off unless you sign for it. And so, so he says, fine. So he's in a board meeting. Um, and so he brings the entire board with him 
down, down, um, down that building to the other building, brings them all up, and um, goes and he signs for it. He's you know frustrated about it. He pries open the the box, and the box finally opens. And and the guy said, one of the things I forgot to um, drill is a bunch of air holes in there. And so, um, and he goes, so I jumped out of this box, and, and I was eating a sandwich, and there wasn't much room in there to eat it. And he goes, so I jumped out, and there's a piece of salami stuck to my forehead um, and pickles on my shoulder. And he jumps out smelling like this sandwich um, in this Superman outfit, and he proceeds to go along the line and shake everyone's hand. And he gets to the guy at the end, and the guy says, I don't know what you're selling, but I'm hiring you right now. And he hired him. Now, that wasn't the job he was looking for. That was, ended up being an entry-level job. But the thing is that how are we standing out from everyone else? What is making us unique? And if we're not doing that, I mean, God created us to be creative. You know, so what does that look like? What, and, and it's not about what creative looks like to Arthur. It's what does creative look like to you guys? So I had a guy that wanted, I, I, you know, social media. Uh, so, so you guys had Jim Stovall here last week. And Jim Stovall, in the back of his book, he always puts his phone number for people to call. And I started doing that as well. Jim's one of my mentors. And uh, one time I was, I was at Jim's office. And, uh, and you know, it's, sometimes I say things I shouldn't. According to my wife, I say that a lot. Um, um, but um, I said to him, I said, hey, Jim, how blind are you? And, and, and he looks over at me. And, he, and um, his assistant was in the back. And she starts kind of giggling. I, and I said, no, how blind are you? And he goes, what do you mean, how blind am I? I was like, well, I mean, you know how when you're, when you're, um, when you're a kid, and Jim, Jim and I have known each other for years, and Jim was, um, uh, Jim was able to see when he was younger. And I said, remember when, um, when you were a kid and you're laying out um, in the field and, and you have your eyes closed and the sun's on you and then uh, a cloud comes in the wind, you can kind of see the, the difference in the gray? Okay, you guys look at me like I'm crazy. So um, anyway, so, so I was like, so are you, you know, what does that look like? Arthur, I'm as blind as they get. He goes, it's all black, and um, all black all the time. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, and so I was just curious. To, what, yeah, I'm not blind. I have no exact idea. And so um, his assistant was back there just, just laughing her head off. And later I was talking um, to her about something, and, and I said, you know, I, sometimes I feel like our, my relationship with Jim is he's always giving me advice. And, and she goes, oh, you entertain Jim. He just thinks you're hilarious. And so, um, so and my wife, my wife said to me, she goes, What's a blind guy? How blind are you? And I was like, well, I wanted to know, <laughs> you know, but um, but but I put my I put things out there and said, if you want to contact me, here's here's my information. If you want to reach out to me on social media, um, you know, here, um, you know, I'm here to serve you whatever capacity. I literally have people come to my restaurant on a regular basis. Um, last week I had two of them. One of them came in. It was a, it was a or a U student. He was just you know um, looking for some guidance on things. And somebody else has a a well um, music store here in town that has I think two or three locations. And they literally walked through and took pictures of my systems in the back of the store because um, because they want to see how we do things. And she actually they actually hired me to speak in um, Palm Springs. And so that's how we got connected. So but I'm constantly opening myself up to, you know, how can I serve you? How can I connect? I had this guy that reached out to me from Wichita, and he said, um, he said, I'm building a, what was it? It was a bar slash coffee shop. I guess so they can kind of wake themselves up and get drunk again. I don't really understand it, okay? That's not my thing. I'm not a big coffee guy or a bar guy, so I don't understand. But he was very persistent, and he kept reaching out to me. And, and he said, hey, I'd love some of your time. And I'm thinking, what am I going to offer this guy? You know, and, and I didn't ignore him, but it was one of those, uh, you know, I, I got busy, I forgot. So, so one day at Chick-fil-A, I get a package in the mail. It's a little, um, I open it up, it's a pen. And here's the goofy part. The pen was for Wichita State University. 
There's no way this guy could have known this. But I have a licensed location for Chick-fil-A that I go up there twice a month to visit Wichita State University. How in the world would he know? He, he didn't know that. I don't, I don't post that in a lot of places. But the thing was, he was trying to connect with me. So, of course, when I got that pen, I mean, literally, I kind of said, okay, Lord, I'll go meet with him. And I did. And me and him have this relationship um, now, and, and uh, I don't exactly know where he's in the process. Um, but he'll reach out to me once or twice a year, and we'll just connect, and we'll talk about different things. Our job is to figure out different ways to connect with people. And I've had some people come to me and say, I don't um, I don't, I, but I don't know, and I'm not as creative as you are. Well, let me just give you guys some examples of how I've connected with different people. Mark Green. Um, everyone here probably knows uh, Mark Green. So, so this is how it happened. I'm not exaggerating. So I reach out to Mark Green. So I'm on LinkedIn, and LinkedIn says, you can connect with Mark Green. And I, was, and I literally, I was being obnoxious that day. I was traveling. I was actually speaking somewhere. And I was like, oh, thanks for permission. I really appreciate you giving me permission to connect with Mark Green. So, so I sent him a message that said, Mark Green, I'd like to you know, be your friend or whatever it is on LinkedIn. And, um, and it responds back with... Um, um, I got off the plane. It says, you've now connected with Mark Green. I was like, oh, cool. I've connected with Mark Green. And, and so I'm thinking, well, he probably has some college intern. This is back in the, or he was there a lot. He probably has some intern doing his social media. So I was like, okay, fine. Then I will, um, I'll have some fun with this. So I, I typed to him, dear Mark, I've always admired you and what you guys do. And I think you guys are amazing. Um, I want to be like you when I grow up. I'm not exaggerating. That's what I put. Um, and I said, but, um, but one of the things I did learn a long time ago was when you're, when you're connecting with people, make it easy for them. And I said, I would love to connect with you. Um, and uh, and if, if there's ever an opportunity, um, give me a time, a place, I'll be there. I can drive to Oklahoma City. Just let me know what works for you. And, and I sent it. Didn't think a whole lot about it. My wife calls me and says, Arthur, there's a message on our answer machine from a Mark Green's assistant because he wants to connect with you. Really? Oh, okay. So, um, so I reached out, and sure enough, you know, he was in town. His daughter was getting married. He had time for breakfast at the Marriott. And so me and him went, and we had breakfast at the Marriott. Well, me and him connected. And so since that time, me and him had many, many conversations. And, and, um, and there's times when now I can call him and say, hey, I need advice on things. Well, you know what? He wasn't in my normal circle of influence. It started as a simple email. Um, another example is, um, is George Kaiser. So George Kaiser is one of those guys he's hard to reach out to. So I found out some, from some friends um, that George Kaiser, um, that he likes Coca-Cola and likes Diet Coke, of all the odd things. So, um, so I, I went to Coca-Cola website, and I got some bottles, and I put their names on it, their personal names on it. Um, had it customized, and it literally sat on my counter at my house for a long time, and, it, and I finally said, um, I either need to throw those away or just send them to him, because I was like, why, why exactly am I, uh, am I connecting with, um, with him? I, I mean, it's not gonna, I'm not going to sell more chicken because I'm going to connect with him, and I was like, I really don't know what, why, why exactly am I connecting with him? So because I'm cheap, I thought, you know what, I paid for them, I'm going to go ahead and do it. So I literally just threw them in a basket, and I put a note in there and said, hey, George, I just want to say thank you for all you do in the community. You do so much to serve others. Um, it's, it's just refreshing or something, I mean, something um, kind of froofy like that. And I, and I put it in a basket, and I dropped it off. The, ba the basket was just a leftover Easter egg-ish basket, um, probably was an Easter basket, that I had sitting around. 
And I took it and I dropped it off, thought I'd never hear anything about it. Well, his assistant calls me, and she actually calls the restaurant because um, I didn't put any information. Apparently, I'm clueless um, as far as connecting goes. I don't give them information on how to call me. I make them work for it. And so, um, so she calls me and says, you're going to get a call from George Kaiser. And sure enough, he did call. And me and him went and got together, and we, and we connected. And, um, and it was a very different conversation. Um, he, he has a very different background. And so, um, but it was one of those that him and I have had multiple conversations since then. Honestly, I'm still looking at that relationship going, I don't know what to do with it. Because, again, it doesn't necessarily help me sell more chicken. Um, but it, it's, a, it's a good connection to have. But here's, here's the thing I want to encourage you guys on. Look for opportunity. If you're going to connect with people, first of all, make sure you're wearing your name tag. If you're going around, if you're at Walmart, wear your name tag. If it's one of those days that you just got up and threw your clothes on, okay, maybe you don't need to wear your name tag. Um, uh, you know, use, use judgment in it. But it's specifically if you're out doing events like this or if you're out, um, you know, it's, it's a normal work day and you're going to be around downtown, wear your name tag. You never know when that person needs um, needs that connection. You never know when somebody needs some printing done or, or, or when they need um, um, a real estate agent. And you could be standing in line and they go, are you a real estate agent? Do you have a card? Okay, can, can card? you never know when that's gonna happen. It's your job to make sure people know what you do. And, th and then the other part is, how are you gonna be different? When you do meet with people, uh, when you do meet with people, make sure that they're remembering it. When you leave them, when you go away from them, um, make sure you're following up. So me, I, I kind of have a go-to system in place that when, after I meet with someone, especially if I want to connect with them, I'm going to follow up with, they're going to get a box. And the box may have Chick-fil-A cows in it. It may have some Chick-fil-A stuff in it. It may have just some, it may have a Coke bottle with their name on it. It could look a number of different ways. But the thing is that they probably meet with hundreds and, and maybe even thousands of other people. So um, some of you guys may know Miles Monroe. I'm going to make this real quick. So I met Miles Monroe a number of years ago, and, and I took him out to lunch, uh, and, and he brought a harem of 12 people, and, and, and I took care of all of it. I wouldn't let them pay. I went ahead of time and, 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 and covered the bill. Um, and, and in the conversation, he made a comment about how his daughter loves Chick-fil-A Polynesian sauce. So I mailed to the Bahamas a case of Chick-fil-A Polynesian sauce, 360 small little tubs. Do you think you remembered me? Absolutely. What did it cost me? 30 bucks? Okay, maybe. But again, make it work for what, what, whatever works for you, and, but make sure that you're connecting up with them later because most people won't do it. Most people will never do that. But somehow you need to make sure that they're remembering your name. I, mean, I don't care if, if, it's, if you're carrying a basket out for them to their car as they're walking, hey, let me carry that for you. Because later when you need to connect with them, you can say, hey, you know, um, hey I'm Arthur. Um, you know, I met you over at, um, at Walmart, and I helped carry your stuff. Oh, yeah, that's right. I remember you now. They may not remember you, but, but you certainly will stand out from that other person that they didn't, they did, they didn't do that. That makes sense? So, um, so I just wanted to share those things um, with you guys, and, and, but I'm going to encourage you. We get so hung up as leaders of, I want to do this like this person. That's not what God said. God said you need to do it like you. And so you need to look, look at you and get quiet before God and find out, what is me? What screams me? And, and if that's getting a lemur, I have a connection for that, okay? 
but it's be what screams me is giving them a business card and writing them a nice, dainty, in, in nice handwriting um, thank you note and connecting with them. That's, that may be all you need to do. All God wants you to do is what he asked you to do, but we got to do it. So thank you very much. So good. Man, how many of y'all enjoyed that? That was so practical. I loved it. It was, you know, something that we comb today is wearing our name tag, standing out, leaving a mark. I got to say this. I swam in the Amazon River, and I was scared because I was like, they, they said, don't worry, there's no alligators on this spot of the Amazon River. And I was like, what? And they, they just jumped out of the boat and started swimming. So I was like, I'm going to jump out with them. Um, but we saw pink dolphins that day in the Amazon River. And they stood out, right? Because a pink dolphin would stand out in, in the Amazon jungle. But they said they only swim in two places in the world, the Amazon River and rivers in Louisiana. So, but I loved listening to what he was sharing today because it's so true that, you know, God wants us to stand out in what we're called to do in your business. Stand out in the way you treat people with kindness. And um, again, we thank you so much, Arthur. Let's give him a hand one more time. 